You're listening to the teaching ministry of Queen City First Baptist Church, where friends become family. For more information, log on to www.fbcqc.org. You have your Bibles this morning. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, the New Testament book of Ephesians. Several weeks ago, we started a new Sunday morning series called Identity. Who do you think you are? I'm always amazed by the feedback that I get um, after uh, preaching a particular message or uh, starting a series of messages, and uh, it's rather apparent that uh, some of the teaching in this series is hitting a nerve, uh, you might say. Um, There's some truths here that I think are so important to us, so liberating, uh, so powerful, uh, that if we'll allow the Spirit of God, we'll uh, soak in the truths of the Word of God. Uh, They will allow us to see some things from a completely new perspective. And uh, that's certainly uh, the way God's Word works. That's the way the Holy Spirit of God works. Uh, We often say here, we don't just want to leave here better informed, we want to leave here transformed. Uh, And that only happens as we open our hearts and minds to the truths of God's Word. Um, How are you filling in the blank? I am blank. We have discovered that when you know who you are, then you know what to do. We've also discovered that Satan loves to reverse that order. Satan loves for us to think what you do determines who you are. And the reason that is so critical to his scheme, to the way that he does things, is because if he can convince us that what we do determines who we are, then he sets us down this path towards self-improvement. He sets us on this path toward uh, uh, self-esteem and making myself look better and, and all of those things. It's all tied up in what I do. He sets us down a path of works-based salvation. If I am good enough, if I tip the scales to the good uh, rather than to the bad, then I'm okay. And so it's about what I do. But God says, no, it's about who you are. So in that very first message, we looked at the foundation of who we are uh, in God's eyes. That's what's most important. Who am I in God's eyes? God says we're created. God says we're highly favored. God says that we are made to mirror and image his very nature and character. Uh, God says that we are blessed to be a blessing. Uh, Those are at the very heart of who we are. Uh, We have also discovered some big truths over the course of this series of messages. We've discovered uh, this big truth. Your identity is received, it's not achieved. And so again, it goes back to that truth that we just discussed there. It's not about what you do that determines who you are. It's about who you are that determines what you do. And when you know who you are in God's eyes, when you know who you are in Christ, then, then that makes all the difference in the world. Uh, You can get off of that track, you can get off of that path of trying to achieve your identity and understand your identity is received. It's received from God himself. He says in the first book of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 there, that that we are created in his image, in his likeness. That's a strong identity statement. If you know anything about God's word, particularly those first few chapters, you you just go a couple of chapters over and, and then we've got Satan. He's a fallen angel who had an identity issue. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be above God. He had an identity issue and as a result was cast out of heaven. 
And then we find him there in the Garden of Eden. And here's what Satan says. Satan comes along and he says, I want you to commit identity idolatry. That's the, that's the next big truth uh, that, that we've learned in this series. If we can put things in that blank uh, that, that are along the lines of, of what I do, that, that are along the lines of pleasing people, uh, we can put things in that blank that are based upon horizontal relationships here on earth, how I look to other people, all of those sorts of things. If Satan can get us to commit identity idolatry, uh, then he can keep us messed up for most of our lives. It's a powerful truth. Satan wants us to commit identity idolatry. He wants us to be consumed with ourselves. He wants us to be consumed with how we look to others, achieving our identity. Uh, Then we learned another big truth, and the big truth is this. We all have trash in our past, but we don't have to live in it. We don't have to be Oscar the Grouch. And we've all got junk in our past that we're not proud of. It may have been years ago for you. It may be weeks ago for you. It may be days ago for you. It may be something this morning. That you had to confess to God, an attitude that you had when you got up this morning. That's in your past. Satan wants you to live in that. He wants you to live in that trash. He wants that to be your identity. And if your past is, is marked by a, a, a lot of sordid stuff, a lot of junk back there that you're just not proud of, if Satan can get you to daily live in that identity, then he keeps you defeated. He keeps you beat down. That's why he's called the accuser of the brethren. He constantly opens up the trash bin, hoping and praying that you'll live in that identity. You don't have to do that. And with that big truth, we filled in the blank with the simple word, forgiven. I am forgiven. That's the way that Christ wants us to live. He wants us to live in that identity. With the thought that I am forgiven. Yeah, I I know who I was in the past. I, I know of some of those failures. They've not been erased from my memory, but I am so thankful that through the blood of Jesus Christ, all that junk's been carried away. I don't have to live in it. I am forgiven. There was another big truth that we learned last week, and that is this. Insecurity will cause your identity to be based on other people's expectations. It's people-pleasing. It's those of us who have a difficult time saying no. It's those of us who are consumed with what other people think. Our identity is based on other people's expectations, on what they want us to be, on how they want us to act, on how they want us to... It's all based upon what other people think about us. But last week, we filled in that blank with the word secure. If you're in Christ, that's where your security is found. Your identity cannot be found in what other people want you to be. Uh, and, And here's the reason for that, because that's always changing. As soon as you think you've got one person pleased, then you're going to find that you're not pleasing somebody else. And so it's this futile attempt. You're bouncing through life trying to please people all the time. Some people are absolutely consumed with this. Uh, It's almost every day decisions are made, purchases are made in order to please people, in order to meet their expectations, in order to enhance my image. If I I wear certain kinds of clothes, if I have certain name brands, if I have certain images attached, then, then that determines who I am. That's insecurity and will cause your identity to be based on other people's expectations. We get far more consumed with what people think than with what God knows. That's big truth. That's big truth. You think about the number of things that you do, the the way that you think a lot of times. Many, many times you'll find that it is based on what other people think. What will they think about me? How will this make me look? You're a people pleaser. Today, we're going to put a new word in the blank. Literally, I am new. 
I am new. Now, if you're like me, I, I, I get intrigued um, by these makeovers that you see today. I, almost every talk show has done a series on makeovers. Or they have these ambush makeovers on, I think it's Good Morning America, maybe one of the other, the Today Show, whatever. They all do these, they'll grab some random person out of the crowd and they'll say, we're going to take this person back and we're going we're gonna to let them spend some time with our experts, with our hair person and our makeup people and all these different things. And we're going to give them a, a makeover. There was even a, a show, I don't even know if it's still on, called Extreme Makeover. I mean, these people would literally would take days and weeks many times. They would have a dental work done and, and facial work done and all these different things and would be literally transformed. And they would have a big reveal where they pull back the curtains and they're, they, you know, they have the big reveal to their family and friends. It's like, ooh and ah. And, you know, they've spent time with personal trainers and all these things and they've, they've shed unwanted pounds. and all. It's, it's just amazing the transformation that can take place. And then we even do, do the same thing with homes, extreme home makeover. They'll take a house that, that needs a lot of work and boy, they'll just, they'll, they'll come in there and just, I mean, just get after it and just totally transform this home into a completely new home. There's just something about being made new. God's word has a lot to say about that and how it relates to our identity. I am new. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Let's look at verses 17 through 24 this morning. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 24. Paul says this, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Uh, the outline this morning is really very simple. Two, two points. But some powerful truth here. Let's first consider the old you. The old you. Bad news before good news, okay? Uh, we're looking at the old you, and if you're not a Christian, then this is just you, okay? Uh, if you are a Christian, this is the old you, and if you became a Christian 15 minutes ago, this is the old you 16 minutes ago, okay? He says, you can't walk like that anymore, and when Paul, uh, what he's going to do here is he's going to use this metaphor for walking, primarily in chapters 4, 5, and 6. If you kind of get the lay of the land here in the book of Ephesians, in chapters 1 through 3, he talked a lot about who Jesus is and what he has done. And in chapters 4, 5, and 6, he talks about how we walk in light of those truths. That's why he has said here, uh, this I say, therefore, in light of some of the things that I've been teaching you here. Um, and it's very important that you understand how this is kind of laid out. When was the last time you went for a walk? 
There were about 200 people that showed up last night for the, uh, the Hoot and Holler Glow Run. It was a 5K. It was out at the Indian Hills Country Club. There were some walkers. There were some runners. And um, my son Tim was one of the ones who was running this, this thing. And he had trained pretty hard for the last several weeks. And uh, he wanted to, you know, improve his time, you know, and all these kind of things. And uh, it, it was pretty crowded. The course was crowded. There were so many runners, so many walkers. And uh, it, it was kind of neat to see, you know, those who were doing it, you know, kind of in a competitive sort of way, and then those who were just kind of, you know, strolling through the golf course, I guess you might say. Um, Paul uses that metaphor. He uses this, this picture of a walk. When we go for a walk, we want to hopefully cover some ground. I've been walking uh, quite a bit recently, trying to kind of come back from this whole pneumonia thing, and I've been trying to trim some time off of my walk, and, and I want to cover some ground rather quickly. Uh, some of you have been non-Christians uh, for a long time. I mean, a long time. And, and uh, it, it, it's amazing how quickly, once you come to faith in Christ, how quickly some people cover ground. The transformation that we see, the difference that is made in their life. But and there are some people who, uh, you, you were non-Christians for a short time, but in that short time, you were running toward sin. You were running toward trouble. You were uh, getting further and further away from the Lord. And many times it's a result of the people that you're walking with. They reinforce uh, your sin. They reinforce your lifestyle. What do we often say? Birds of a feather flock together. Bad friends corrupt good character. And most of us could think back in our testimony to our lives before Christ, particularly if, if you had uh, several years there prior to your conversion, uh, you, you could identify some people that, that probably brought you down rather than picked you up. You know, there's that song that says, i got friends in low places, right? Yeah, some of you know exactly what that is. Um, but what Paul is saying here is you can't walk like that. That's why he's using this whole metaphor uh, of, of walking. Uh, he's saying you've got to walk a new direction. You've got to walk a new way. You've got to walk with new people. He says when you become a Christian, you can't walk in that direction anymore. Things need to change. There's a saying that's become rather popular in recent days that says this, unless things change, then nothing will change. So many people want change. They want the result of change, but they don't want to change. You know, they'll tell you, well, I want a better life. I, 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 want, I want a new identity. I just don't want to go through what it takes to get that new identity. I want to be perceived this way. I want a new set of priorities. I want a new set of friends. I want to, but, but I'm not willing to make the necessary changes to get to that place. I'm not willing to walk a new direction. I've become so accustomed and so comfortable in the way that I've been walking that, that I'm just not willing to make the change. Are you still walking in the path that you used to walk? Same habits, same sins, same beliefs, maybe even same relationships, some of which really aren't helpful. You can't walk in that direction anymore is what Paul is saying here because that's a direction away from Jesus. That's a direction away from holiness. That's a direction away from obedience. It's a path that leads to death and not to life. You've got to change directions. And so if you're a Christian, then you're not supposed to walk like the non-Christians is what he's saying here. Your life is supposed to look a different. There should be a distinction. Now... If you were paying attention as we were reading the text this morning, you know that the next few words and phrases here are rather graphic in nature. 
This is not for the faint of heart. You see, a lot of people today want to believe, well, really at, my, at, at the core of who I was as a person before Christ, or maybe even who you are right now, if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ, is really, I wasn't all that bad. In fact, there are a lot of people today who would have you believe, I've just always been a Christian. I was born into a home of, of Christians, and so I've just always been a Christian. Well, that's not reality. God's Word says it's a, it, it's a decision that you make as an individual to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You can't do it by proxy. You can't stand before God someday and say, well, you know, my daddy was a deacon at the Baptist church, and so as a result of that, I'm... Mm, t- 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 time out. No, 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 it says each one of us shall give an account to God. So, so we can't come on, on the merits or the, the relationship that somebody else has with Jesus Christ. We personally have to stand before God. And so here the Apostle Paul gives a description of the old you. Now at first glance, you're going to look at some of this and go, I don't know, this is pretty harsh stuff right here. There's a good number of you, I know for a fact, you've sat in a doctor's office. You've been called back to your doctor's office. The doctor's come in and said, well, what I have to tell you today is not exactly good news. Maybe they've had to tell you that you have cancer. Or maybe you're dealing with a, a breathing disorder of some sort. Or maybe it's you got diabetes and you're going to be insulin dependent for the rest of your life. Not very good news. And so what Paul gives us here is it's, it's not real good news. As he describes the old you. N- notice some of the terminology that he uses. Feudal mind. A futile mind. In the futility of their minds. Now again, some of you are immediately going to think, well, I I don't think it's just a real big deal that it's because you have a futile mind. Well, I I don't think that, you know, I don't just don't think it's such a problem because you have a futile mind. Well, I've been studying and I, I read this book and it was probably written by a person who has a futile mind. I talked to my friends and they said, It's because their mind is futile. He's saying their head is broken. Their mind doesn't work, spiritually speaking. What he's saying here is when you're in Christ, you think God's thoughts after him. But if you don't know God, then you're not connected to God. You're not filled with the Spirit of God. You don't have the mind of God. Your thinking is futile. Again, some of you here, you're like, "Well, well, well, that's kind of offensive, That's because we live in a world that wants to hear things like, you're smart, you're so insightful. That case that you've made, my goodness, it's airtight. Those friends you've chosen, they're all brilliant. That's what we want to hear. And God agrees with you and he's here to give you what you want. That's what most people think today. God is just all about making my life better. And then a guy like the Apostle Paul comes along and he shows up and he says, actually, your mind is not thinking God thoughts. Your thoughts are futile. This is the old you. If you're now in Christ, this is the old you. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Christ, this is you. This is you. Then he says, darkened understanding. Darkened understanding. They are darkened in their understanding. You ever been in the dark? I mean, I mean, a really, really dark place. I went to Carlsbad Caverns one time several years ago. You get down in the in the in the belly of this cave, 
And they say, okay, now, now we're going to turn off the lights. That's darkness that you can feel. I'm telling you, that's darkness you can almost taste it. Abject darkness. Can, can you see much in that kind of darkness? No, in fact, I remember putting my hand right here like this. Nothing. It was that dark. Paul is saying the old you is characterized by a darkened understanding. If you're walking away from Jesus, if you're living as a non-Christian, if you're not connected to the life of God, your thinking is futile and your understanding is darkened. You say, well, well, I see it like this. That's what people in the dark say. But you're not seeing clearly. Your understanding is darkened. Again, we live in a day where we'll repackage things. It's, it's tolerance, it's diversity, it's pluralism, it's all of these different things, all these different words that are flying around today. He says, no, 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 no. They're darkened in their understanding. Darkened. Christians and non-Christians shouldn't share the same mindset is what Paul is saying. Darkened. Your thinking is dark. The way you see God, the way you see yourself, the way you see life, the way you see your identity, it's dark, it's depraved, it's wrong, it's corrupt. It's tough language. I told you this was graphic. Darkened understanding. You see, worshiping God is not just a moral activity that we participate in. It's a mental activity as well. It's not just what we do. It's how we think. That's why some of you would say, well, I'm a good person. Even though your mind is hostile to God. You won't submit your thoughts to God. You won't take every thought captive uh, to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Part of worshiping God is loving Him with all your mind, Scripture says. With all of your mind. So, so then, then it's not just going through an act. It's not just going through a routine. It's not just mouthing words during corporate worship. No, it's being renewed in your mind. One of the characteristics of the old you is a darkened understanding. Then, then he describes us as alienated and ignorant. Why is that? He's saying you're alienated from the life of God. They're, they're, they've disconnected themselves from the God who made them the source of life and light and truth. And so what you see here is in the old you, an individual who was not reflecting the character and nature of God. You may have done some nice things. Uh, you, you may have done some things that, that are commendable, but your DNA uh, was, was one of being alienated and ignorant. You, you see, in, in this transformation we're talking about this morning, we're not just talking about changing appearance. Now, we're not just talking about you know, trimming the hair a little bit and putting on some different makeup and you know, maybe a, a different set of glasses, maybe having some dental work done. I mean, the person that you see after one of those makeovers looks new, but really, their heart's still the same. Now, we're talking about something completely different from that. We're, we're talking about a complete, total transformation where your DNA is changed, where your thinking is changed, where, where, where your values are changed. If you're living your life alienated, separated from God, that is the root of all sin. That's the worst sin of all. It's like the guy who says, well, yeah, I, I walked out on my family. I abandoned my wife and my children. But you know what? I, I pay my taxes and I don't jaywalk. Well, that, that's awesome. But 
You still get some real big issues, man. It's like the person who is walking toward destruction, and while they're on the road to destruction, they're doing some nice things for their friends and stuff. All the while, they're still on the road to destruction. That's why salvation, that's why the Christian life is not about you and me becoming better people. It's not about us turning over a new leaf. It's not about us behaving better than we used to behave. It's not about that. Jesus Christ did not come just to make us better people. He came to make us new people. Totally transformed. And we see that time and again in Scripture. That's why Paul said, as he wrote to the Corinthians, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. That's why we can fill in the blank with that identity statement. I am new. If you are in Christ, that's huge. That's huge. But what that tells you is you can no longer walk the way that you did before Christ. As good as it may have been. No matter how you would fill out the report card. No matter how, how your friends would fill out your report card. As long as, long as you, you are without Jesus Christ, God fills out the report card and he says you get a big F. You say, man, that's kind of harsh because I was a pretty good guy. But without Christ, you're lost. Without Christ, you're blind. Without Christ, you don't stand a chance. Neither did I. He also describes this, the old you, as hard-hearted. Hard-hearted. You know, we're not talking about just uh, that before Christ, we're, we're merely victims lacking information. No, he says, due to the hardness of their hearts, essentially. When the Bible talks about the heart, it speaks of the, the, the heart more than 900 times. Do you realize that? And rarely is it actually speaking about the muscle that pumps blood through your body. No, it's, it's talking about, it's talking about the, 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 the seat, the sum, the, the, the center of who you are. And you see a heart that is tender toward God says, tell me the truth, I want to change, I want to learn, I want to grow. A hard heart, however, says, no, it's not like that. No, no, it's not what you want. It, 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 it's a completely different way of looking at life. It's a completely different set of values. You ever met anybody who was hard-hearted? They interpret all data negatively, it seems. I'll always spin it so that they are the innocent and you're the guilty. I'll always turn it from uh, that they are a victim and you somehow owe them. And people do this with God. God, I I'm right and you're wrong. You failed me. You have not fulfilled my expectations. You owe me. You need to change. Even to the point that some would say, I think God probably has changed in light of the way I see things. I mean, after all, this is the 21st century. And so the things that he's laid down in his word, those are antiquated. They're outdated. Surely God has changed the rules. Certainly in the last 2,000 some years, God has become enlightened. That's hard-heartedness is what that is. Is your heart hard toward God? Are you angry at him? Are you frustrated with him? Have you become calloused? You know what a callous is, right? You work with your hands very much. You swing a hammer or you know, anything of that nature. And pretty soon you'll develop a callous or two. I know when I worked on the dairy farm, it wasn't very long before I mean, my hands were calloused. Pitchfork every day, shovel every day. I mean, it was just, my, those hands became calloused. 
To the point that I, I could even take a needle and I could stick it into those certain places on my hand and I wouldn't feel it. Because that, that, that callus was really a collection of dead skin right there. That's all it was. That's what happens to us spiritually many times. When we're hard-hearted, we've developed a callus. And so we no longer have a spiritual sensitivity. And if, and if you're before Christ, the old you, you, you don't have that sensitivity at all. You say, well, yeah, I understand about, you know, a conscious and human conscious and God's... But I, I'm talking about a, a, a sensitivity to the Spirit of God, to the things of God. Then even says, given up. They've given themselves up. You ever been in that place? You're like, you know what? I, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to think this way. I'm going to justify myself. I'm going to vindicate myself. I'm going to explain myself. I'm going to excuse myself. I'm just, you know, I'm just, again, I'm just a victim. Okay, I'm just a teenager, so I'm just going to give up on this thing. I'm a young adult. I'm, you know, my world's just kind of crazy right now, so I'm just going to kind of, I've given myself up to these things. It even says, don't like the truth. Don't, don't, don't like the truth. They've given themselves up to, oh, oh, look at that. What? Sensuality, greedy to practice impurity. Wow. That's it. Because you know what? Oftentimes, it's not that people don't know the truth. It's that they don't like the truth. That's the truth. We read this and some people say, well, I, I don't like it. I can't tell you how many times I've, I've sat down with the Word of God with somebody and I, I mean, I'm sure with them what God's Word says. By the way, that's, that's the only kind of counseling I know to do. I'll be the first to tell you I'm not a licensed, trained counselor. I've had counseling classes and so forth in seminary. But what I'm going to do is just open the Word of God to you and say, this is what God says. And most of the time in my counseling, especially if it's, if it's related to our church family, people know. They already know. I'm not telling you something new. So what you basically said is, well, I know what God says in his word, but I really don't like the truth. And there's something that I hope you're understanding and you're seeing here. If we're not careful, and I think what Paul is saying certainly is that we can go back and we can dabble in some of this stuff that should have characterized us before Christ. But it still tends to characterize us now that we're in Christ. That's why the whole essence of this morning's message is really this. It's about putting off and putting on. Now, that's not new language with me. That's what Paul says right here in Ephesians. He says, you put off this and at the same time put on this. Put off and put on. We need to live our lives coram deo. Quorum Deo is Latin for in the face of God. And so again, what we're saying is, we don't get to determine what's right and what's wrong. God has already determined what's right and what's wrong. And so the way that we live our lives in Christ is a new way. I am new. I have new values. I have new priorities. I have new thinking. I have, it's all new. It's all brand new. And so we're to daily, regularly, consistently be putting off these things... This futile mind, this darkened understanding, this alien, all those things. We should continually be putting that off as we're sanctified, as we're becoming more like Jesus Christ. While at the same time we are putting on Christ Jesus. I brought something to church this morning that I, I, I rarely bring. I, I brought my jammies today. 
Look at that. Dallas Cowboy Jammies. Isn't that impressive? I knew James would love these. James would love these. I brought my jammies. Yeah, see, I, I, just, I usually just, you know, my jammies are a white t-shirt and my Dallas Cowboy Jammies. Isn't that awesome? Aren't you thankful that when I got up this morning, I put these off? Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. I've seen a whole lot of people at Walmart who don't put those off. I don't know what has happened in our crazy world today. But, but I'll be like, I'm like, wait, time out. You, did you forget something this morning? You forgot to take your jammies off. That's what you forgot to do. It amazes me. I was like, wow. I was in the store not long ago and I saw a little boy and he was, you know, still in his jammies. I thought, well, that's kind of cute. And then I saw his dad. He's still in his jammies too. <laughs> it, it quits being cute after a while, right? No, see, I, I got up this morning. I had to put these things off so that I could put these on. That's the concept of what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Wouldn't it have been weird if I had gotten up this morning and said, you know, I think I'll just leave these on, but then put these on too. So then I come to church and I've got my church clothes on over my jammies. I mean, it'd be a little odd, wouldn't it? Yeah. Or you know what else happens a lot of times? Because we're on this whole, I've got to get morally better kind of thing. We think that it's all about just putting stuff off. That's all it is. Well, check this out. If all I did this morning was put off my jammies but didn't put anything on, I'd be preaching naked right now. I don't want to be crude this morning, but I'm just telling you, it's what we see a lot of times spiritually. People think, well, as long as I'm not doing certain things and I'm, I, I, I don't give in to certain temptations and I, I, I just I got this long list of things I can't do, so I'm going to put those things off, but you never put on the righteousness of God in Christ, you're just in as bad a shape. It would be like having a, a, you know, a flower bed and all you ever do is just pull weeds. That's all you ever do. I've got to keep them weeds out. got to keep them weeds out. But you never fertilize. You never water. You never... Any of those things. The whole concept here is so important. Put off this and at the same time put on this. Put on righteousness. So let's look at the new you. There's the old you. Let's look at the new you. Now we talk about Jesus the old you needs to die and not get self-improved, not get polished up, not get cleaned up. Right? The new you in Christ. Notice what he says here. You've not so learned Christ in verse 20. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus that you put off, there it is, concerning Put off uh, concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So it's all about put off, put on. Daily, put off the old man, put on the new. That's why the identity statement is so powerful this morning. I am new. It can't be, I am improved. I am better than I used to be. I am, I am new. And you live out of that identity. I am new. And it helps you put off the old, put on the new. Put on the What does the new look like? You know, we live in a world where everybody wants to change. Self-help, self-improvement, self-actualization, self-esteem, magazines, books, trends, talk shows, go on and on and on and on. You can change things you do, but only Jesus can change who you are. 
That's a big truth. Let me say it again. You can change things you do, but only Jesus can change who you are. You can change things you do, only Jesus can change who you are. And once he changes who you are, that changes what you do. See how it keeps coming back to that same truth? It's all about the work that Jesus Christ does in us. It's all about how he changes our identity. It's all about how he changes our DNA. It's all about the, check this out, blood transfusion. It's all about being new in Christ. So it's not about you and me becoming better people. It's not about you and me becoming better over here. It's all about Jesus Christ making us new so that we can put that off and put this on. The new you. See, the truth is in Jesus. Assuming you've heard about him, you've been taught by him, the, the, the truth is in who? Paul says it's in Jesus. Okay, so the truth is in Jesus. So anything that's not connected to Jesus is not ultimately the truth. So parenting, suffering, marriage, dating, sexuality, finances, whatever. The truth about everything and anything is in Jesus Christ. It's connected to Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. There may be other truths through general revelation and common grace. I understand that. You learn a lot of things. But ultimately, the truth for us is all connected to the person and work of Jesus Christ. It is so not about self-improvement. So you put off your old self and its deceitful desires. That's what Paul is saying. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt. See, we live in a day where there's... Corrupt politician, oh, we, can, we can see that. Or someone in leadership, oh, they're corrupt. He says everybody's corrupt. Everybody. Some people just don't make the news. You see, your way of life is corrupt apart from a new life in Jesus Christ. Only Christ can make the change. See, guys, we live in a culture that is, it has these, these crazy, insane statements like, follow your heart. I, I know what we mean generally when we say that. But the Bible would say it this way. What you're really doing in most cases is you're following your deceitful desires. It sounds different when we say it that way, doesn't it? But, but if your heart has deceitful desires and you follow your heart, then you're following deceitful desires. But Paul says, put on the new self. Put on the new self. And put on the new self created after the likeness of God. That's your identity. You, you highlight it. You circle it. You underline it. You memorize it. Those two words, what are they? New self. New self. We're not talking about self-help. We're not talking about self-improvement. We're not talking about self-actualization. Where it's just the same old you with some new techniques to try to you know, manage the problems in your life. Now, we're talking about a totally, completely, thoroughly new you. Born again is the terminology of Scripture. Born again. That's not something Jimmy Carter came up with back in the 70s, folks. <laughs> no, 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 it's right here in Scripture. Born again. The Bible uses the language of born again, regeneration, new creation, new person, new man, new life, new you. You are genuinely new in Christ. Not yet totally new. 
God's going to keep working on you, but your identity is that of a new person. And you're to live out of that identity. So daily, put off, put on. Daily, put off, daily, put on. Put off the old, put on the new. Clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Most of us are familiar with the way that uh, the different branches of our military work in terms of identity and those sorts of things. I mean, there's nothing that, that stirs pride within my heart, although I've never had the privilege of serving our country through the military. But to see one of our soldiers in uniform, I mean, there's just something about that. I mean, they just look good, you know? Do you suppose they showed up to basic training looking like that? <laughs> no, no. No, in fact, a lot of times they show up, man, they're in board shorts and flip-flops and their hair's too long and all those things. What happens? The military says, this isn't working. There's, there's going to be a new you. <laughs> and it's going to start with us cutting all that hair off. And, and then we're going to change your clothes. We're going to change your look. We're going to change the way you do things. You came to us, you've been sleeping in every morning for the last... Mm-mm, that's not happening anymore, is it? No. New you. There's a new you. And so over time, through, 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 through the, the rigors of that basic training and all the things that you go through, you, you're developing a new way of looking at things, a new way of seeing things. And we've all seen young men and women who've come back from basic training and we're just like, whoa, what happened to you? See, that's the way it's supposed to be for us as believers. See, we, we know what the old, the old you looks like. The old me... Yeah, futile mind, darkened understanding, don't like the truth, want to try to change the truth to match what... No, Paul says, put all that off. Take off your jammies and, and put on something else. Put on the new you. So let me challenge you with this today. When you wake up tomorrow and you're clothing yourself physically, remind yourself of how Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, has clothed you spiritually. You see, what you do when you, when you become a believer, when you place your faith and trust in Christ, you trade in what Scripture describes as prison garments because you're a slave to sin. You're a prisoner to your sinful nature, your sinful desires, all those things. You trade in your prison garments for robes of righteousness. You put off and you put on. You put on. That becomes your new identity. I'm not guilty, I'm forgiven. I'm not hated, I'm loved. I'm not far away, I'm brought near. I'm not alienated, I'm reconciled. God is not against me, he's for me. God's not angry with me, he loves me. I don't need to pay God back. Then it's not grace. Jesus already paid my debt. I don't need to clean myself up. I need to remember who Jesus is and what he's done and live out of the new identity that he's given me. Put off and put on. I am new. I'm new. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment if we could this morning. Can you truthfully say this morning that you are new in Christ. I'm not asking you this morning if you're better than you used to be. I'm not asking if you've turned over a new leaf. Not interested if 
if you're behaving a little better than you used to behave, it's not about whether you've cleaned up your act. It's about whether you are living out of your new identity in Christ. Putting off the old and putting on the new. If you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then Paul has just described you this morning. He just described you. The only way that you can put off that old you, and the description that Paul gives us here in a very graphic way, is to be in Christ. That is to place your faith and trust in Christ. Then you can put off the old you and put on the new you in Christ. Are you in Christ today? And there may be some here today who would say, Pastor, I'm so grateful that I'm in Christ, that I, I know Him as my Savior and my Lord, but, but I sure do have a tendency to go back and live out of that old me identity. I'm still chasing some of the same crazy junk that I used to chase. I'm still walking in some ways that I used to walk. I need to start living out my identity in Christ. I am new. I'm new. There should be a difference. There should be a distinction. In just a moment, we're going to sing a song of invitation. and This is a time of decision. Will you decide to live out of a new identity in Christ? I'd love to show you from the Word of God how you can know what it is to be in Christ. Will you, will you choose today to put off the old you and daily put on the new you? Quit trying to pick up those old prison garments. Daily be clothed in the robes of righteousness that only Christ can give you. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for your word today. Lord, we thank you that you delight in making us new. New in a completely different way. Lord, I pray that you would do a work in our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Queen City First Baptist Church. We invite you to come worship with us anytime you're near. We're located at 206 Marietta Street, Queen City, Texas. Visit us online at fbcqc.org.